I'm so encouraged. I, uh, I was praying and uh, felt like I was not supposed to do this message on my own. And uh, so I recruited someone to join me here. Uh, so my dad's going to join me. It's <laughs> been uh, a while since I've been up here. I forgot what it was like. <laughs> so this is either going to go really well or really bad. <laughs> so you need to be praying for us. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. I just want to start... Um, <laughs> I want to start just by, by honoring this, this amazing man. <laughs> this guy has uh, been a pastor for, I think, 80 years now. Uh, no, not quite. <laughs> Did I say I was going to honor him? No, I am going to honor him. My, my dad started pastoring uh, back when I was uh, about four years old. Uh, we pastored up in a place up in Grand Lake, Colorado. And uh, he, he did some pastoring before that, but took over, he took a church up in Grand Lake, Colorado and uh, did a, an amazing job. And I'll tell you, we went, through, we went through some hard things. We went through some struggles. And, uh, um, but I, I look back and all of the things that we went through even just growing up as a child, man, I learned so much. And, uh, and I saw, here was the cool part, is I got to watch my dad uh, go through some difficult times. <laughs> That's a cool part. Uh, but what it did is it strengthened me, and it gave me an understanding of, of, how, to, of how to go through difficult times, how to go through things. And, and early on, uh, there was a he started to go after the things of the Lord and into healing and uh, things that in this church... Um, that it really, the move of the Spirit, things like that, was just not really okay. And, uh, and it caused an uproar and basically split the church. And all overnight, basically, we were being, try, they were trying to kick us out of our home, close the doors on the church. And, and, uh, but there was something about rising up to the occasion. When you know that you're, you're moving in, in the direction of the Lord, uh, this is where you stay strong in him, not in the things of this world, not in the, you, you can't, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And, and I saw him just early on just walk by faith. And, uh, and it was so beautiful to, to oh, now as you. I look back to say, it, oh, these things were instilled in me and I didn't even realize it. I, I walked along a father who, who went through battles and I got to see the very things that he faced. I got to see uh, the, the different things that he went through, and I got to see God do great things. Uh, in the middle, we had a, this church split. It was a break. There's a lot of stuff that happened. I'm not going to get into the details, but I'll tell you what came out of it because of faithfulness, and it's his faithfulness and our little faith to go, but God, you said. There are promises over our life that, that he has for us. And I want to encourage you, when we stay in that place of not allowing the, the, the things that are in front of us, the, what we see to actually affect the position that we take and the direction that we move, when we walk that way, God does amazing things. We went into the greatest revival that town has ever experienced in the history of Grand Lake. There were... I think half the church, or half, half the people in Grand Lake were, were coming into the church. And people were running out of the bars and running into the church, getting saved. We had more people going out into the nations uh, than, I mean, it was like we're sending people out here into this nation, sending people out into that nation. There was a move of the Holy Spirit in this little tiny town called Grand Lake, Colorado, back in 1970. Well, 7, 78. Well, no, I got there in 78, but the or, move, the yeah, move, yeah, that's the right. move, move really happened after all hell broke loose. It was in it was, about 1980 yeah. to about 1984. That's when things really, yeah. in a good way, exploded. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then here, um, so some things happened. Um, 
parents went through a divorce, and, uh, um, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't that... Anyway, um, I'll, I'll say my, my... What's that? Love you. <laughs> Love you. Uh, my dad really just stayed in that place of going after the Lord, and, uh, and, and we just saw the faithfulness of God in that. Um, and, and here's how God was faithful. Even though it was almost like, like things kind of got stripped away and uh, you think, well, that's the end of that. Um, in that. In that place of faithfulness, God actually brought him back into a place of even greater just authority and, and the move of the Spirit and the things of what God wanted to do. Um, and, and he stepped into a little place here in Castle Rock, Colorado back in 1988 and, and took, took a church uh, and you can see where, where it's come now. It was a little tiny building. It's actually yeah. where the... Uh, Over on Park Street. It's, it's help, where Help and Hope <laughs> is, uh, yeah. where the, uh, the task force yeah. is. And so they were in debt uh, up to their ears. There's a small group of people and uh, struggling. And they just... And, and everywhere in Castle Rock, there was, there was a few churches in Castle Rock, but not much. And there was just a heaviness over this place. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and guess what? We got to come here. <laughs> but here's what happened. The faithfulness of God and, and my dad stepping into that place, doing the very thing that he felt. He didn't want to come. He, he was like, God, I don't want to be here. This is not the place for me. You, know, you don't want to step into a place that's like, Ugh. you want to step into something that's already doing great. And the Lord said, <laughs> this, these people need a shepherd. And, uh, and if, you, if you step into this place, I will bless you. And so he stepped into the place, and, uh, and, and there was a kind of a cap of about any church that basically tried to get over 200, you would see just something happen, and, and things would just crumble, and the churches mm-hmm. would just close their doors. It happened, I guess, over and over and over again. And there was almost like a, just a breakthrough that had to happen, and, uh, and my dad was the, the lucky one that got to be that guy to really to fight that battle and break through that. That was back early on. And now we see, if you look around Castle Rock, this is the cool yeah. part. There's it's a not, lot of great churches. It's there. not about the rock. Never was about the rock. It's about God's glory and what he wants to do in this area and in this region. Mm-hmm. And, and there are those that have to step up and say, here am I. Send me. I'll do it. I'll, I'll be the one. It's not easy. I can tell you, there's, there's a lot of probably much more comfortable things that my dad could have done. And, uh, but he stepped into that role and uh, he and, and Yvonne, there she is, <laughs> and, uh, and this amazing woman, just all, we just give her an amazing hand. I can tell you my dad could not have done it without her. He, he needed the Holy Spirit, yeah. and he needed Yvonne. Amen. Uh, he needed I agree. Them both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, so he stepped in. He took, uh, he took things and broke through the 200 mark, and then things began to explode, and God began to do amazing things. But there are so many churches, I believe, that, that have come out of this that are now doing amazingly well because yeah. of some ground that had to be plowed, some things that had to be broken. And again, it's not about a church. It's not about one church or another. We have to get over this mindset of, well, that's this church or that's this church. We are one church. Right. And, and, and if we continue in this mindset, <laughs> I can tell you those churches will not survive. Amen. They will not survive. Uh, God is going to, in this season, require that, that uh, well, here, let me just read this. Um, this is what he requires. This was uh, just brought up to me the other day. This is, you guys, have, a lot of you have heard this word. This was a word from Graham Cook. But he says this. Uh, and hear this, because this is for right now. Uh, this is what the Lord is doing. It says, the water level is rising in this house and throughout the region. I have promised many things to myself in this region and in this city. My beloved will know my presence. My beloved will feel a weight of blessing like a wave of water being poured out on a parched earth. This is not a flash flood, but it is an ancient dry riverbed being filled and and flowing again. Places that knew and lost the previous moves shall now have a new refreshing and a continuous flow of blessing. But with this outpouring, I require a new stewardship. And this is something we haven't seen. 
in the church. We're beginning to see it now, but this is, this, this is what's required. I require a partnership of fathers throughout the state who will produce new works and develop sons of heaven. We are in a time where God is actually not saying this is a, a nice thing, this should happen. He's saying, no, this is required in this time. Mm -hmm. This is a time for fathers to rise up. And, and I, I see it in church leadership, in, in the place of fathers in that sense, um, that there has to be a place of unity. There has to be a place of, of it's a partnership, uh, <coughs> but it is a nonpartisan spirit. There can be no spirit of division that comes in. I do not believe the Lord's going to allow it. And I believe that those that stay in that place, we're going to see things crumble. And it will be the hand of the Lord. And it's out of his grace because he's looking for a church that is actually one church that is coming together. We are not here for ourselves. We are not here to say, look at us. We are here to actually raise up the body of Christ, to come alongside others and say, how can we support you? How can we love you? How can we bless you? We're, yeah, so... Um, so I saw my dad do this and raise up, and they had, a, they had a group of pastors that came together and began to pray. And, and I can say now, it's gone to a whole nother level. We pray with, with churches. I pray with, with a number of pastors in the region, and, and it is, things have shifted. Even from when I came in 2014 uh, to where we are today, things have dramatically shifted into a greater nonpartisan spirit where we are coming together as one. Is there still that, that stuff going on that you see in churches? Yeah, it's still there. That it's, but the Lord is actually breaking those things down, and he's breaking it down very quickly. I think 2020 was a year where things got broken down faster than all the other years combined. Uh, and so I just, and I want to say even just as a, as a, as a father figure to me, um, we talked about this last night. We're not perfect, and my dad is, is not perfect. I, I, we would, you can say amen. <laughs> I can tell you he's not perfect, but I can tell you I, I can see his heart for the Lord. And, and that's, what, that's what, what I'm drawn to. And so I'll go after that, and I'll say yes to that. There's other stuff in our lives that we're all working through. There's things that we have to deal with. Uh, but I wouldn't be in the place I am today without a father going before me and carrying me and, and lifting me up and bringing me into this place. So I just want to honor my dad and just thank say you. thank you and love you. <laughs> All right. No more honoring. <laughs> Is it okay if I talk? No, no, it's okay. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. You're going to make it hard for me to speak because <laughs> I'm getting welled up here. But uh, I, I, first of all, I just want to thank my <laughs> wonderful daughter-in-law. As you know, she came up and saw me standing here, and, and she brought me a chair, and then she goes, by the way, you still have your earplugs in. <laughs> so thank you so much. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I just want to say, and this, we're kind of going a little different route here than we talked about last night, um, but the purpose of this is to, to let us, you know, we need each other so much. And, you know, we need, we need to be spiritual fathers and mothers to others, but we also need to be sons and, and daughters, spiritual sons and daughters. And, and uh, I just want to say in my life, you know, it, it's amazing. There's, in, in my life, um, uh, when, when I told my dad that I was going to, that I felt a call to go into the ministry, and this, I, I got saved at 28 and a half, and so when I went to my dad, it was probably, I was about maybe 29, and I said, Dad, I feel a call to go into ministry, and uh, I've been accepted at Princeton Theological Seminary, and, uh, and he just went, ugh. I can't believe that I poured money into your college education and now you're going to become a minister? I'm not giving you one penny to go to seminary. You're on your own. And he turned away. And I got to tell you, that was tough. 
Now, I want to say that my dad, a few years later, became a believer. Well, when he said that, it was devastating to me. But I had to make a choice. Am I going to please my dad or am I going to please the Lord, the Heavenly Father? And I knew that if I did that, that he'd somehow take care of things, but it was a horrible thing. So all of a sudden, you know, I was in seminary and, and God provided supernaturally uh, to get through. Mike was a, a baby there and then Anna was born when, when we were there. But, but the amazing thing was... Um, I didn't know about needing a spiritual father, but I desperately needed spiritual fathers. And uh, I remember uh, I ended up as a youth pastor at a Presbyterian church, and Pastor Ernie was this older man who just had a heart of love. And he came around me, and he, without ever saying, he never said, I love you, or, you know, or this, but, man, I could feel the love he had for me. And he believed in me. And he would have me, like on Pentecost Sunday, he said, Go, tell them everything. I'm too old to rock the ship, but I want you to tell them everything about the Spirit. And uh, he had me preach a lot. In fact, one day he came to me. He said, you know what? I'm going to not enable you to preach as much because the associate pastor is really jealous of you. And he came to me and said, why are you letting him preach more than me? And I said, it's okay. I understand. But he loved me, and he showed me how to love. And he showed me that one of the keys of not only raising up children but also raising up spiritual sons and daughters is you got to love. And that doesn't mean like smiley and happy. It means really pouring yourself into other people. And then I had another man named Richard Weir. And he and Ernie, Ernie was such a good guy. Richard came from England. He had this healing ministry and he was on the radio. And when he prayed for people, his hands would shake and the anointing would come on him. And, and the other pastors wouldn't let him in their church to hold meetings, but Ernie did. And he and Ernie were great friends. And on Friday nights, he'd have this huge prayer service. It was way ahead of its time. And uh, there were people out the door, and he'd be praying for people for healing. And, and I mean, it was so powerful, and the worship was incredible. And uh, he heard me preach, and he came to me and said, hey, I'd like you to work with me. And so I got to work with him, and he taught me how to move in the Spirit, how to release healing, how to... And, and so I had these two mentors in my life, which... I didn't even know. They were spiritual fathers to me, but they loved me, and they cared about me. And even when I went to Grand Lake, and they both wanted me to come and work with them, uh, you know, and, but I really felt God had called me to go and be a senior pastor. And when I went, they still would call me, and we, we had great relationship. And then eventually it kind of faded away. But for that time in my life, I needed that desperately. I needed that mentoring. I needed that love. I, need, I was really insecure. I mean... <laughs> I'd gone through drugs and all kinds of things, and, 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 and I thought, <laughs> I'm not even qualified to be a pastor. But they loved me, and they helped me, and they knew, and God's grace came. And, and, and I got to say, we really need, we need people that can help us, whether they, we call them spiritual fathers or mothers. And it's not age-related. Leif Hetland, who, you know, is a great friend of mine, he has a lot of people that are older than him who look to him as Papa Leif. And so it's not... It's not age-related, but we wanted to talk about this because we believe that relationship between fathers and mothers and children is so important. And when I went through the divorce that he mentioned, my wife took off, and I became a single parent and had full custody and everything, and, uh, you know, I needed a spiritual mother to help with my kids, and thank God, Yvonne Rose came on the scene and really helped me so much, not only me personally, but helped Mike and Anna, and, uh, and I, I just am so grateful to her. I can't tell you how thankful I am. But also, another thing, too, that I think is important, uh, as we get mentored, then we have a heart to mentor and, and to spiritual father and mother other people. And, you know, I have a recent example that I just want to share. And, and I look out, and I've been able to meet with some of you guys and help you when you were going through hard times and, and difficult things. And I do a lot of counseling now. And, and so it's, it's an honor to be able to help people. I mean, that's my heart. And, uh, and I, I'm so glad I get to do this. But, but, but what I want to say, in the midst of these things, I have a, a, a kid that grew up here. I mean, he grew up in this church. He was a little kid, and now he's older. And, uh, and so... Uh, Somehow we've just taught, and he moved to the west, to, to the west side of, of Colorado, the western slope. 
yet we stayed in touch and we talked probably every, oh, about every week or two. And, and so he was really struggling. And uh, he'd gone to law school and he'd had all, you know, and everything, but he, he did not like being in law. He didn't like that. And he was struggling. He was struggling in his life. And the interesting thing was, what happened was, <laughs> it, it was actually, I said, as I was meeting him, I said, look, you have to find your passion because it's obviously not what you're doing. He didn't like his job. He was miserable. It was causing him to go off the track in certain areas of his life. And so, and by the way, I asked if I could share this. Uh, he said, as long as you don't get into too much detail. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so just imagine going off the track. I'm not going to go how he went off the track, but, but I said, if you discover your passion, that's going to get you back on track. And so I said, you got to go pray. I can't tell you what it is. And he went off and prayed, and he said, you know, when I was in, when I was in law school, actually, the I really didn't, I hated law school, but what I really liked was I got to work with troubled kids, and that was the thing I looked forward to every week. And, uh, and he said, I've realized my passion is to help young people, to help people, and I, I really feel like I'm called to go into ministry. And uh, I said, hey, that's great. <laughs> that's great. But, uh, and, and here's the thing. Uh, he's so excited. He's doing so well now. He's back on track. He's excited. I just talked to him a couple of, let's see, I think it was Friday. Uh, he said, I'm so excited. Uh, he's, he's going to Denver Seminary. And here's what happened. After he got his passion, after he poured into that, uh, the church that he's attending, the pastor said, hey, I want you to be over uh, the young adults, and I want you to help out with the, with the youth. And then in his job situation, he went to his boss, and his boss said, he, said, he goes, I got to work half time instead of, and he was working about 80 hours, but he said instead of 40 hours, I need to work 20. And uh, so they moved him into, he said, well, his boss said, yeah, you can do that. We want to keep you. You're doing, you know, you're good. We're going to move you into juvenile court. And he was so excited. I mean, the passion that he had, God actually moved through when he stepped into that passion. And so I got to tell you, that's where we can help other people, you know, in their lives, and they help us. Uh, I, I got to tell you, though, that <laughs> Mike and I, you know, when Mike came here, first of all, let me just say, he was down in, in Houston, and I want to honor him right now. Uh, he was working, actually, with a, a friend that I went to school with who had probably the, the largest, did he have one of the largest... Uh, firms down there? I mean, you know, Rick McCord? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and anyway, here's the thing. So, he, he I said, Mike, uh, Ronnie Haynes is retiring. The executive pastor is going to be open. He goes, Dad, you know, I'm not really interested in that. I don't really, I love what I'm doing here. I'm working with Christians, and, you know, we're developing large areas, and, and, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I said, hey, just pray about it. I'm not telling you to come. Just pray. A few weeks later, he, he blew my mind because he said, you know what? God spoke to me to come. Four and months later. What's that? Four months later. Well, four months. Yeah, it seemed like a shorter time. <laughs> it took, anyway. It took, it took four months. <laughs> and, and so he gave up his dream job and was, I, I can't say how much he was going to make because it would embarrass him, but let me just tell you, it was a heck of a lot more than he was going to make here. <laughs> and he came because his heart was turned to God. He stepped into his passion, and it was going great where he was, and came here, and I tell you, I honored that. Now, you probably saw, uh, <laughs> give him a hand. <laughs> you probably saw. Let me, let me just say, yeah, I, didn't, yeah, I did it. not step into my passion. <laughs> <laughs> my desire was to stay exactly where I was. <laughs> uh, what I did do is, is I knew I heard the Lord, and uh, and I said, it doesn't matter what I want. I'm willing to lay it all down for whatever you want. It's, it's that place of knowing that his ways are higher than my ways. That's good. And so don't always go after your passion. Go after the Lord. Yeah, that's good. Go that's... after his heart. And here's the thing. When you capture his heart, it will awaken your heart. And it'll turn into your passion, right? It will become your true passion. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of false passions out there. There's a lot of things. I, I see people go, well, this is really what I feel like I'm supposed to do. And then they go and do it. And then two years later, they're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. 
this is what I really feel like I'm supposed to do. And you bounce around right and left because until you actually get the heart of the Lord and, and, and know his plan for your life, you're not actually operating in the fullness of what you're created for. You know, um, you probably remember we played the, the music uh, from, what was the name of the movie? Chariots of Fire, yeah. And, and I handed off the baton to Mike, and people said, wow, this is the best transition. I mean, you guys did such a great job of transition. However, what you guys didn't see is behind the scenes. <laughs> behind the scenes, it was a very difficult transition. And, I, you know, I'm going to be transparent. In fact, I want to put that scripture up because uh, 1 John, I want to make this uh, legal. You know, uh, 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 verses 6 and 7. By the way, my iPad, I think my battery's going on it. Uh, I had 52 when I came. Then I looked at it after we were in the prayer room. It was down to 27. Then I went, went to get up. It was zero. Anyway, so, so I'm going to read it off the screen. So it says, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus' His Son cleanses us from all sin. You know, one of the things I believe that's so important, if you're going to really be a, a, you know, mentor others, and you're going to be a father and a mother, a spiritual mother and father, uh, you've got to be walking with him. It's going to be hard for you to help other people to walk with him if you're not walking with him. Amen? And so that's really important. And that means transparent. Now, that doesn't mean I have to be perfect or my spiritual son or spiritual daughter have to be perfect. That's not what it means. But it means we have to be real. We have to not walk in darkness. And we have to really walk in the light as he's in the light. We have to be very open and honest with each other. And one of the things I tried to do with Mike when I was going through a hard time, I would tell him, Mike, I'm really going through a hard time. I need your prayers. Or if I lost my temper, which would be very, very seldom, but if I did, <laughs> if I did lose my temper, I would need to go to him and say, look, I was really wrong. I'm really sorry, man. I, I just was really ticked off, and I, I, I'm really sorry. I, I blew it, and would you forgive me? And I got to hear that a lot. <laughs> I say that in an honoring way. <laughs> but... I did. Let me just say, uh, I actually did hear it a lot. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not how much we mess up. It's how we can, con you don't have a heart of messing up, hopefully. It's not that, like, you just continue to walk in those ways. But when, you're, when you walk in a place of repentance, um, that's the thing that changes your heart, and it opens up, like, that transparency, that place of just being real with each other. It, it's, it's when we don't have that that it shuts down relationships. And it shuts down that ability for me. I'm not going to follow someone who's not real. Uh, but I will follow someone. If, it doesn't matter how many mistakes they make. If they can come into that place of, hey, I'm so sorry. I messed up again. Like, okay, let's, let's do this. But if there's a place of pride of going, no, like, I, I'm not going to apologize for that. As a son, it's hard to follow a father that doesn't walk in a place of humility. And, and let me say... As we learn to be fathers, humility is a critical piece of this. Jesus had the greatest amount of humility. He had greater humility than anyone else to the point of laying down his life completely and totally. And in that, it's the Father raised him up. It's those that humble themselves that says the Father will lift them up. And in the same way, as we humble ourselves in that place of sonship, we learn to become fathers. And it's only by becoming a son that you can actually become a father. Yeah. Yeah, I had to learn how to become a son with Ernie and Richard. And by the way, Richard really was upset with me. I got into the faith message a little too much. I didn't think I was into it too much, but I was really heavily into it. And Richard, you know, he had to correct me. But he did it in love. And that's, that's a true father. And, and I had to be the son because I didn't want to receive the correction. But it really helped me, and I'm thankful because there were some things that were off. But what, what I want to say with Mike, though, <clears throat> we, we would spend time together. And I remember after his freshman year in college, he went to CU, which at that time was the number one party school in the country. I tried to get him to go to Mines. I but thought we said, were talking about the transition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are, we are. But, but I want to lay the groundwork of transparency here. LAUGHTER <laughs> So anyway, Mike So came fast back. forward to 2014. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mike came back after his freshman year, and I remember we went up, uh, up by Decker's up that way, and we camped up there and by the, by the river there, and, and uh, we sat down, you know, it was dusk, and I think it was the second night, and he began to share his heart of some of the things that he'd done and what he'd learned. And at first I'm thinking, whoa, <laughs> this is, you know, I don't know if I want to know all this. And then I thought, thank God that he has the courage and the strength to tell me about some of the struggles that he went through, you know, and that drew us so much closer. And that's why I want to say this was important because we had a foundation when we went into transition. Now, I'm going to be really honest here. When we went into transition, I remember waking up. It was great, you know, you know the, the, whole, the whole thing. Yeah, you got that, is there a picture? What's that? I think there's a picture. Here's the, this was. <coughs> oh, here it is. Here it is. <laughs> this is the baton right here. <laughs> This was back in 2017, January of 2017. 29th, January 29th, five yeah. days from now. It'll be, it'll be four years, five years from, five, five days from now. So anyway, I handed it off. It was great. I woke up the next morning and I went, oh my gosh, I feel so empty. I feel so weird. I feel, I mean, I just, I didn't feel good. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I know our identity is not supposed to be who, who we are, but obviously some of my identity was in that. And, uh, and, so, and then Mike began to change things. He began to change things a lot, and I started having trouble with it. And I'd make little suggestions. Hey, Mike, you know, what do you think? You know, do you, and finally I said, I said, Mike, am I being a pain when I say to you, hey, here's a little suggestion. He goes, yeah, you really are being a pain, Dad. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry. So I was really struggling. I got to tell you, I was struggling. And I want to tell you, that's why transitions don't go well, whether it's between a father and son. R uh, Robert Schuler, he handed the church off to his son. He didn't like the way the son was doing it. He jumped back in, took over the church. And even to this day, to my knowledge, he and his son have not been reconciled. And uh, it's really a sad, sad story. And so, the church is... What's that? Yeah, the, the church, church died. That was the, the glass cathedral, remember that? Totally died. When I, just totally died. And uh, I just want to say, transition is really hard. But here's the amazing thing. So Mike was doing things. He was changing things, and I'm going, ah. And people would come to me and say, can you talk to your son? Because we like the way you did it this way. And I'm going, oh, you know, I can't do that. And, uh, and so, so anyway, here, here's the thing I want you to hear, because this is important. Uh, we talked to each other, and I said to him, and he said to me, we do not want ministry to ruin our relationship. We want to put our relationship above ministry. And so that was the beginning. And that was the beginning of me over a four-year period or, you know, over a two-and-a-half-year period where I was starting to begin to release the church. My brother Guy, my youngest brother, he said to me, you know what? I think that Mike is being raised up for a time like this. He's different than you, but this is a different time. Now, this is before COVID hit. I mean, little did he know how true those words were. And when he said those words, it made me stop and go, wow. And now I've seen the incredible, incredible job that he's done. I mean, our bookstore. <laughs> yeah, no, I got to tell you. <laughs> When he closed the bookstore out there, I was going, oh, no, our bookstore. I won't be able to sell my book. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, and now it's amazing. He's transformed it into this huge walk-in freezer that we have tons and tons of food to give out to people. <laughs> he has, he's brought a unity among the pastors in this area that I tried to do but couldn't do it. But he's done it. He has an incredible relationship with, with the, the commissioners and, and the government. I, I tried to do it. I couldn't do it. He's done it. He has been raised up for such a time as this. And I honor him. And I'm so grateful. And I'm just so sad that I almost hindered that. But thank God we had enough of a relationship yeah. that we said, we're not going to let ministry and our preferences, we're not going to let that ruin our relationship. And God honored that, and God has done so much, and I am so proud of my son and what he's done. Look at that there, stand it up for you, Dad. <laughs>
I, I came yesterday, Saturday, and, and I helped out. You know, I got to pray for a lot of people out there. And man, I'll tell you, I was moved. The people that are coming from all over to get food and to get prayer and to get help and to just know we care. That's what a church is all about, folks. That's what it should be about. Not just worrying about our church growth and how big the church is and how much money's coming in. That's not important. Mm -mm. He's got the right heart, and he's the man for the time, such a time as this. So thank you, Jesus. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm so encouraged by you guys and by what the Lord is doing. Um, I didn't tell my dad that I was going to do this, but uh, I... I I pulled this out. I had it in my office in a, um, in a picture frame uh, with, that, with the transition, you know. And, but I felt like I was supposed to pull it out. I was praying this morning, and we're, we're four years in, uh, in, in this transition, and a lot has happened in four years. Uh, a lot of transition has happened in four years. And, uh, and I, I felt like the Lord said this. I felt like there was a baton that was passed, a father to son, and, and I feel like there's a baton that's to be passed to you guys. I, I just, and I don't know how, I just felt like the Lord just said, take it. And I don't know what it means, but I, I, what I, I, I felt like there are, this is a time when the Lord is raising up mothers and fathers. And, and let me say, it is mothers and fathers are not those that just come alongside and are like, hey, good job. And, and they're not just there to encourage um, that can be your buddy. That can be your friend, your brother, your sister. Like, they can do that. But there's something special about a mother and a father. And what they do is they actually bring accountability into a situation. They're actually able to speak truth into a situation that you can receive that maybe a brother and a sister or a friend, you're not going to receive it from. Because a mother and a father has such a love for you and a care for you that they, want, they will come alongside you. They're not there just for the short term. They're not there just to tell you, hey, you need to do this and do that. But they're, they're there to say, hey, walk in this way. Don't go that direction. When you're a little kid, don't put your hand on the stove. You're going to get burned. The reason why we have mothers and fathers is to actually give us direction. That, and, and here's the thing, is this is why it's so important that as a mother and a father that you actually have and carry and hold the heart of God. Because if you don't, then you're going to send people in the wrong direction. And there are those that are spiritually mature in this place, and there are those that are spiritually immature in this place. We're all across the gamut, we're, and that's okay. Uh, we're all on a journey with our eyes on Jesus. It's, that, it's a race. And let me say this. It is not how you start the race. It is how you finish the race. You, we all start <laughs> with a misstep. We all started in the wrong direction. And then we got a hold of Jesus. And he became the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that we set our eyes on to, to, to run the race. And, and that set us on the right course. But we need, here's the thing, we need mothers and fathers. We are in a time right now where mothers and fathers have been silent in the nation, have been silenced in the church. And what has happened? We've, we're losing a generation right now. We are losing the next generation. I, I just, I want to talk to this. I know, uh, I'm just going to talk to it anyway. There's 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 16. I'm going to run through this quickly, but capture this. Just as we were praying, this is so important that we understand this. Uh, Pastor Andrew talked about this a few weeks back. I, but this is in the message version. And listen to these words. I, I'm writing, this is, this is Paul. He says, I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. Who likes a spoiled kid? <laughs> How many of us are still spoiled sometimes? When we grumble, when we complain, when we're whining about things, that's a position of spoiled. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but we're learning. So it says, there's a lot of people around you who cannot wait to tell you what you've done wrong. But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and the effort to help you grow up. Isn't this good? This is out of the message. 
It was as Jesus helped me proclaim God's message to you that I became your father. I'm not asking you to do anything that I'm not already doing myself. Here's what, in the other translation, it's basically it's imitate me as I imitate Christ. As I get the heart of Christ, as I get his ways, as I become a, a mature spiritual believer and, and walk in a place of maturity, now do what I do. Follow after me. We need those people. We need those that actually have a heart for the Lord, that press into him, that get the heart of God, that don't just go, here's, here's what I see with fathers and mothers right now, in, not just right now, over the past years, over the past 50 years, if you look back, and I, I, or 40, for me, 46 years, <laughs> it's as far as I go. Uh, but, uh, but I see fathers and mothers getting together with other fathers and mothers and going, let's study the Bible together. Mm. There is a time for that. And, but what about the next generation? What about, what about saying, hey, guys, you know, we've been studying the Bible together for a long time. I think we got it. Not that, not that we, we'd ever get there. We're still learning. We're still getting things. But, but when, do we, when do we start to turn this thing outwardly and say, hey, now we need to come alongside and pull those up that maybe that when, how did you get to where you were? Someone probably helped you and pulled you up. You probably didn't get there on your own. It, it takes, this is where we need fathers and mothers in this season. There's a, I want you to hear this. This is Rick Joyner, and uh, Christy handed this to me the other day, and I just opened up to this part, um, and I, I didn't even know he wrote this book. And it's a prophetic vision for the 21st century. He wrote this in 1999. He saw something that the church did not get a hold of. And I'm like, boy, I wish we could go back to 1999 and actually take hold of this and go, wow, we actually need to do this. He says these words, rise up. The retreat of the church has reached its limit. Now the advance will begin and it will gain momentum until the whole world takes notice. She will march resolutely to the field of battle. Even nature will quake and shudder as a witness that the foundation of heaven and earth are moving in opposite directions. But our God will prevail and our victory is assured. This is the time to be bolder than we have ever been before. There is no turning back. In fact, the time has come to concentrate our forces on the important issues of this time. Here's the important issue of this time. It's a battle for our children. It's a battle for the next generation. If, you, if we don't see it right now, we're losing the next generation. It says this. I'm just going to jump forward on, on, uh, to the main part here. It says, we cannot be content to just hold our ground. We have been a church. I'm not talking the rock. I'm, I'm we have been the church. Here's what we've done is, is we've tried to hold our ground. But here's the thing. It's, it's wave after wave. We get kind of, you get hit and you take, ah, one step back. And you get hit again, you take one step back. You get hit. And before you know it, you've just given up all this ground. I'll just use one example. Do we see God in the schools, in our public schools? This is for our next generation. And what we've done is we've allowed God to be taken out of the school. And then what do we do? We create a Christian school. Well, we'll just put our kids in a Christian school. 99% of the people, good luck as you, raise, as you, you know, <laughs> grow up. But we're, gonna, we're just going to protect our small amount. Now look, we have a Christian school. It's, I'm, not, I'm not discounting the Christian school. I think it's amazing. We need to raise up people. But I'm telling you, we can't, that can't be our only focus. We have to now get back into the schools. We need to get Jesus back into the schools. We need to break down the walls and the barriers right now and say, no, we are not going to allow our kids not to know about Jesus. They have to know about Jesus. I, I was looking. He, he talks about it in here. I won't go into detail, but talks about how if the generation continues like this, there's going to be violence in the younger generation. 
written in 1999. What happened in 1999? We saw Columbine shooting. What have we seen since then? Well over a hundred shootings in schools. It started, it started a move of it. And what's the solution? We need gun control. Really? We've had guns around for our entire life. What has happened, what has changed is we pulled God out of the schools. We've removed God, and, and so we are not raising our children up in biblical ways. They don't know God. They don't know their creator. What are they going to do? They don't have fathers and mothers to come alongside them, spiritual parents to raise them up in the things of God. When that happens, if we look at biblical history, it's a disaster. It's a disaster for nations. We cannot afford to lose the next generation. We cannot be content to just hold our ground. We must aggressively go for the breakthrough. And I, I add to that, I say we must take offense. We must take the offensive. We must take ground. We need to put Jesus back in the schools. We need to take... There's so many other areas I could talk about. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, the enemy is seducing our children with a counterfeit for the true desire of their hearts, a genuine relationship with the powerful, wise God who loves them. And how are they going to know about this relationship with a powerful, wise God who loves them? They're going to know about it when fathers and mothers rise up and say, let me share the love of Jesus with you. I, wa I want you to see uh, this video. This, is, this happened on the, yesterday. Um, <laughs> it started the week before. Okay. And I shared it a little bit. Um, wait, yeah, just pause it for a second. So I, I shared it. Um, oh, so a week ago, uh, this lady and this man came in. I won't say names right now, even though there's pictures up. But, um, <laughs> but uh, um, she did not look like that at all. There was a heaviness over her. Um, she, had, uh, she had fibromyalgia. She was in a lot of pain. Uh, this was last Saturday. And she had run from God. She had run from him. She had been hurt like 15 years before in so many ways and had basically said, no, I am not even going to touch God. I'm not even going close to him. Had run a different direction. And she came in not to go to church, not to be here. She came in because everything had really just collapsed on her and she needed help and she needed food and we have a food bank. But I can say what we were able to do as people open their heart to receive food, we get to share the love of Jesus with them. And, and something shifted from last week. Uh, she, well, so she received healing, complete and total healing. Uh, the pain of her fibromyalgia was completely gone. But it didn't stop there. And this is the thing. There is a physical healing that's needed, but she needed a heart healing. She, she was a prodigal who had run from the Lord. She needed a father and a mother. Like She needed people to come alongside her to say, no, 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 you need to know the love of God. And so right there, for the next 20 minutes, we got to pray over her. She gave her life to the Lord. She gave her life back to the Lord. Not just in a little prayer. She was weeping and crying and saying, yes, God, I need you back in my life. And she was saying, she was being real. She goes, I don't know if I can trust him. And I said, you're going to learn to trust him because he's gonna, you're going to experience his love and the tenderness of a father that it was never him that turned against you. And there was lies that came in. And so, and then, and then right after that, um, I don't know if Betty's in here, uh, but, uh, but there was a, uh, there's an amazing lady who's out there praying with us all the time. And I go, Betty, come here. And I said to the girl, I said, meet your spiritual mom. <laughs> She's going to walk alongside you. She's going to be there for you. She's going to encourage you in the things of the Lord. And this is what we need to do. We don't just stop with going, hey, now you're saved. Good luck. We need mothers and fathers to come alongside this next generation to say, here, we are here for you. We will not leave you. We'll be here no matter what happens. We'll strengthen you. We're going to walk alongside you. This is what happened. Watch this. Okay. Hi, I'm Katrina. I oh, came there's her to name. the food bank here at The Rock last weekend. And I suffer a lot, uh, I suffered 
<laughs> from a lot of pain resulting from fibromyalgia. I couldn't move. I couldn't bike with my son. Yeah. I couldn't even clean my house very much because I had to continuously take breaks. Well, I came and I was prayed over and God moved through me like the eastern winds. He came through <laughs> me and he worked in me and he took the pain away and I was able to move. I was able to dance. I've been able to live my ride a life bike what happened without... you were riding yeah i was riding my bike with my son which i haven't been able to do for more than like 10 minutes in the last you know few years i haven't been able to i rode for an hour and you're crying <laughs> and i'm riding down the, i'm going down this big old hill and i see my little boy just pedaling his little heart out going 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 <laughs> and i'm behind him and i'm seeing this and i'm crying and i'm thanking god because Yes. To be able to do that, just a simple oh. thing of being able to play with your kids, yes. to get on the floor. I even got on the floor and played games with my son on the floor oh. and, and Legos and stuff, and to have my life back. And to, yeah. You know, and to have even more than that, you know, times are still hard, but I have so much joy in me and so yes. much love in me and so much goodness flowing through me that it's not affecting me like it used to well and, and last week you kind of were before that you were giving the lord the heisman right and so what, for a very what, long time yeah. i had uh, i had blamed himself and i for things that was not his doing and was not necessarily my doing you know i i it's sometimes very easy to mix up the doings of god with the the doings of the enemy because the enemy you know he can get in into your mind and he stays there and he sticks and, and yeah so that that so what happened last week what did you do i came to god again i finally let go of some of that control and yeah. i've started you know praying more fiercely and i'm becoming more stronger and praying out loud and so yeah. And yeah, yeah 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 but you know all of that is only possible because I accepted the power of God into me and I yeah. accepted his love back into me yep. and and I forgave myself enough to open those doors again. Praise yeah. God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a gift. It's a blessing. It's something that I hope everyone goes through. I really do. I hope every mother, son, child, daughter everyone gets to experience this love and to be able to i was very fortunate you know i got that physical divine intervention you know what i mean and, and that's something that shakes you to the very core and i hope no matter what divine intervention comes to everyone i hope it shakes them to their core <laughs> and it breaks up everything that all the agreements they made with themselves and the enemy yeah. i hope it shreds those up and i hope that the glory of god just comes through Amen. <laughs> This is how we get a generation back, right? This is how we do it. We have to, <laughs> we're going to hold out the word of life to those, and we're going we're gonna to speak truth in the situations. I, there's something else I just want to share, because I feel like and this is not to bring condemnation, but this is to stir us up to go, guys, again, it's not how we start the race, it's how we finish it. Uh, but there, I, this is something that was stirring me as I was just reading this uh, the other day. Um, and this is parents, and hear these words. Parents who fail to discipline their children according to biblical mandates will find themselves being disciplined by their children, or worse. Those who fail to monitor and to control the books that their children read. Remember, this is 1999, back when we had books. Um, <laughs> to control the music that they listen to or the movies or the television programs that their children watch will soon see forces of evil arising in their children of the most extreme and demonic type. It is amazing. We, there's a battle at hand right now. And it is amazing what we have allowed into our living room. What if we've allowed into our own homes? And, and now it's so prevalent. What we're doing is we're using the iPad to raise our children. We're using, like, here, just go watch this, or here, go do this. We're not actually coming alongside our children and raising them up in the way that they should go. 
so that when they are old, they won't depart from it. And, and I hope this is not discouragement. I hope this is just kind of that, oh, it, even for us, it was that like, oh, we need to do a better job of this. It's, again, it's not this like control thing like this, but there are things that we go, as mothers and fathers, we go, no, you're not going to listen to that. No, you will not watch that. I, I, see, I see kids 10 years old watching like horror movies. I hear about this. And I'm like, really? What do you think that's putting inside of a kid? Like you think, and they think, oh, it's not doing anything. Really? Our, 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 uh, our suicide rates in, in children are skyrocketing. We just had a 14-year-old child commit suicide. Like just, just a few weeks ago. This stuff is happening because we're not fighting the battle and it starts in our own homes. We have to take control in our own homes and then we go out and we say, no, this is not, we're not going to allow this to happen in the schools. Again, I, I, I've seen, yeah, I'm not going to go there with the schools anymore. Um, you, guys, you guys get it, but let me just say, um, and we will commission, I know my dad's getting antsy here. Hold on. <laughs> I'm not totally healed. <laughs> we're, all, we're all getting there. Uh, and these are the times that help us. It's the uncomfort, the discomfort that, access, that actually brings us into a place of change. And uh, we need discomfort. We need to walk in this. In this. Uh, can you put up the, the king... Um, there's a scripture verse. There it is. Thank you. I was trying to find it then. This is, uh, this is Ezariah, king of Judah. And I talked about this last week, but I want you to catch this part right here. So it says, this is the king, Ezariah, in 2 Kings 15.3. And it says, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But catch this. Just as his father, Amaziah, had done. His father, Amaziah, did not walk fully in the ways of the Lord. And so... Azariah did the same. He followed in his father's footsteps. But it says, there's another, there's one of the other kings that says that he did not walk in the ways of his father David, but he walked in the ways of his father. But then in both of those cases, it says the next verse there, it says the next part, the high places, because of this, the high places were not removed and the people continued to offer their sacrifices and, their burnt, and burn incense there. And then look what happens here. It says, the Lord afflicted the king with leprosy until the day that he died. There is, there is something that we're called to. As a mother and a father, <laughs> we are called to a higher place that when we see something that does not align with the kingdom of God, that does not align with the will of God, that we don't go, well, I'm just going to leave that alone. I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to set up my little fortress um, and, and let them do whatever they're going to do. But no, as mothers and fathers, we're actually going to call those things out and we're going to tear down those walls. We're going to tear down those, those things that have been built up that are not of the Lord. Those high places. There is only one high place. And it is Jesus. Anything else that would raise it, it, uh, itself above the name of Jesus, we will tear those things down. And this is the time that we need to do it. It's going to start right here. It's going to start in our families. It's going to start in the church. It's going to start in our cities. We cannot take a nation until we learn how to take our own families. We have to start in our own home. And we need to, this is our time to rise up as mothers and fathers. Mm -hmm. Okay? Okay. There's so much more, but That's we will good. continue this at another time because... I feel a little antsy. <laughs> uh, tell you what, will you guys stand up? Yeah, this. So this is the part I want to say, we can do it. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not what we can do on our own, but it's what he's going to do in and through us. Oh, the last part, of, there's something really in, that he says in here. Um, and this is key. He says this. He goes, finally, the most important thing we can do for our children is this. Get closer to God yourself. Grow in that place of knowing him. Get the scriptures in your heart. Meditate on them day and night. When, when, uh, uh, when Joshua 
was going to take the promised land. The Lord says, look, I'm going to give you the territory, just as I promised Moses. Every place you take your step, I'll give you that territory. But then he says this. There's a key piece to this. Meditate on my word day and night. Get, get my word in your heart. And then, it's, and then there's a then. Then I will do these things. Then you'll walk in this prosperity. Then you'll have the promises that I have for you. And, and then here's the key to it as well. And it's not just for us, but it's for our children, and it's for our children's children. This is generational. We have to get out of the mindset of it's just for us. But that it is for generation after generation after generation. If we don't rise up now, we will lose a generation. I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> this is our time that we do not shrink back. It says that those that shrink back, God will not be pleased. We will be the righteous ones. We will be the faithful ones. And we will move forward and we will take back what has rightfully been given to us. You guys in agreement with me? Amen. Okay, go ahead. Can we do this together? Yeah, let's do it. So this is kind of a commissioning to say, <laughs> guys, we're in this together. We're not just going to hunker down, mm -hmm. but we're rising up. We're going to be mothers and fathers in this generation. So Dad, I'm going to have you just, I'm going to have you pray as a father. Just Would you just pray and commission? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you because you live in us, Jesus. You've called us to really reach out, make a difference with others, spiritual fathers and mothers, as spiritual sons and daughters, as mentors. Lord, we take that commission just like the Great Commission. It wasn't just to lead people to Christ. It was to make disciples. And so, Lord, help us to walk alongside people. Help us to love people. Help us to help people when they fall off the path to come back on. And help us all, Lord, to make a difference. We want to see things change in this world. You didn't call us here to make us comfortable. You called us here to make a difference. We give you the glory today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, let's give Jesus Amen. a hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.